Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll have interviews from Tuesday night's Section 2 hockey game, championship game between Bethlehem and uh, Saratoga Springs. Game won by Bethlehem 3-2, their third straight Section 2 title. And also talk with MSG hockey analyst Steve Valiquette about the Rangers. But first, the University of Albany men's basketball team is getting ready for the American East tournament. And really not in a good way. They lost their fifth straight game Tuesday night. And they ended up uh, as the seventh seed, and they'll take on Stony Brook on Saturday, the number two seed down in Stony Brook. And to talk about the UAB's uh, Great Danes chances in the American East Tournament is the man who covers the team for the Gaelic Gazette sports editor, Mike Kelly. Mike, welcome to the show. Ken, thanks for having me. Before we get into um, the, the, the Danes, we have a special uh, moment Tuesday night uh, at Vermont. Uh, Josh Spidell. Uh, the story is making national headlines. He was in a really a serious car accident a few years ago and had some brain damage. And uh, last night he got a chance, senior night, or should I say Tuesday night, he got a chance to um, score two points against Albany, and it just has made national headlines. And uh, I know you wrote a story about it with Will Brown, very excited about the situation. Talk about that and uh, the impact that the game had last night. Yeah, so, so Josh Fidel was a kid who, who had committed to Vermont uh, to play basketball as, you know, as, a, as a high school kid. He was a very well-regarded prospect coming out of uh, Indiana. Um, and, you know, had, had an awful car crash as a high school senior, traumatic brain injury. He was in a coma for several weeks. Um, he's, he's been at Vermont, but as a, you know, a, a regular student working toward his degree. And, uh, you know, John Becker at Vermont reached out to, to Will Brown a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, to see if they could figure something out, basically, to, you know, allow Josh to, to be able to play in the game last night and, and score a basket. And, you know, talking with Will Brown earlier this week, um, you know, he, he was just, you know, said, you know, it took him, you know, like, you know, two seconds to agree to, you know, basically whatever Vermont wanted to do, um, you know, so that they could, you know, kind of make, uh, you know, they could be part of a special night, uh, you know, for this kid who, you know, has, has kind of become the big college basketball story of the week, um, you know, with attention from everywhere. I know, you know, Sports Center uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I guess, technically, um, you know, that they dedicated a segment to uh, to what happened in the game. And, you know, it's one of those moments that goes beyond sports and, you know, just, uh, you know, that people really rally behind. Yeah, I saw I, mean, I saw the highlights and Will Brown uh, hugged Josh and just, and then Josh went out to hug his parents and it's just like, it's this is what make sports wonderful these kind of situations uh you know with all everything going on in the world the way it is right now and to see that just it just you can't help but feel emotions i mean i was starting to tear up a little bit watching that whole thing yeah you know and i know too from um i mean will brown was saying earlier this week too you know that he really wanted his team to be a part of that and to be able to you know see that moment up close and to the point where you know during vermont senior night festivities he said you know he was going to keep his players out on the floor um, you know, so they could kind of watch that whole ceremony and, and kind of soak in, you know, just the, the festivities of the night. Well, let's get on to the, uh, what we're here to talk about, the Albany Great Danes men's basketball team, a team that, you know, looked for a while is going to be uh, hosting a 
for a quarterfinal game, but then they picked the wrong time to get in a slump. They've lost five straight heading into the postseason. What has gone wrong for the Great Danes? Yeah, you know, just to, to kind of reset this a little bit, uh, I mean, so they finish with the loss against Vermont coupled with, you know, some results from around the league last night. Um, you already finishes as the seventh seed. In this, uh, in this upcoming tournament, which starts for them Saturday, they'll go to play number two Stony Brook. Earlier, you know, or, you know what, about two weeks ago, <laughs> things broke for UAlbany where they, had, they controlled their own path to being the two seed. Other teams were losing. Um, it turns out, though, Albany just lost more. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and this is a team that, you know, they've dealt with injuries all year. To the point where you know they, they they lost one player, JoJo Anderson, who you know they were counting on for a lot. But then they've also had other guys like Adam Luca, who has just dealt with injuries throughout the year. Where even if they're playing, they're not quite as effective, you know, as, as you would have projected them to be. Um, but the big thing has been, you know, Cameron Healy. He's been dealing with a, a hip back issue for pretty much the whole conference season, and. You know, right around, you know, early February, it got to a point where, you know, he, he had to miss a game. And since that point, he just hasn't been the same player. And for this Albany team, which, you know, very much struggles to score the ball anyway, um, it's, you know, it's an offense completely built around, you know, two guys with Ahmad Clark and Cameron Healy. And, and Cameron Healy just hasn't been, you know, his normal self now for, for, for pretty much the conference season, but especially for the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, it's just they, they just really struggle to get to, you know, 70 points. Um, and, you know, and that's not a winning formula. It seems like ever since they scored that 100 uh, against UMass Lowell at home, they just went in the tank. I mean, it's just, it's a, like you said, it's a bad time for this to happen. Yeah, well, you know, you look at it. They, so they score 101 points against UMass Lowell. Cameron Healy sets the, the program scoring record that night. And then a few days later, they scored 48 points against Hartford. And since that point, it's been, you know, more similar to that Hartford showing than that UMass Lowell game. Um, you know, they've just, they, they've really struggled to score. Um, but, you know, we, we, as you look back hindsight-wise, um, you know, you already got to 7-4 and four in the league. And that was when, you know, if, if they kind of took care of business, won some home games, they really could have flirted with taking that two seed. If you look at the season as a whole, though, they started 3-0 and in the America East. After that, they were going, you know, win-loss, 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 and then the losing streak happened. They really haven't played consistent, good basketball since mid-January. How is Will Brown handling this? I mean, you know, publicly and maybe, you know, privately, as he, what he, as he said, you know, as he voiced his frustrations privately? You know, I think, you know, Will Brown's always very candid about his team. And, you know, even when they were, were winning, you know, he, he was the one saying, we have a, you know, we don't have a lot of, you know, room for error. Because if anything happens to Amon Clark, if anything happens to Cameron Healy, we're going to really struggle. Um, you know, that happened to one of those players. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, not that they're content to their fate, <laughs> but, you know, they understand the challenge that this roster has if one of those two guys is not right. Um, and, and the truth is they don't have a lot of answers to, to fix, you 
know, what's wrong with themselves other than hoping that Cameron Neely is able to, you know, get right physically, get his shot right, um, and become the player that they need him to be. What's it going to take for the Danes to go down to Stony Brook and pull off the big upset? Yeah, well, so so for starters, I, I don't know if it would be a big upset. Um, just because the American East Conference this year, you know, Stony Brook is the two seed. Stony Brook did everything they could to not be the two seed. Um, but the rest of the conference was like, no, you're going to be a two seed. We're not going to take it from you. Um, you know, Albany and Stony Brook have played two close games this year, including the other day where, you know, with Cameron Healy, you know, not really doing anything, you know, Stony Brook won by three. Um, so, you know, it just comes down to, you know, is Ahmad Clark really good? Can you Albany rebound the ball a little bit better than they have in their first couple meetings with Stony Brook? Um, you know, that's, that's really it. Because you know, outside of Vermont, the, the conference this year, you know, there's very little separation between any of the teams. Um, honestly, at this point in the year, you could make a strong case that, again, besides Vermont, that Maine, who is the eighth seed and is going to Vermont in the quarterfinals, you know, they might be playing the best basketball at this point in the conference, um, again, besides Vermont. Um, that's just kind of the state of the league right now. Um, so, you know, it, it would be an upset. I, I wouldn't say it would be a major upset, though, even with how much Albany has struggled, um, you know, for, for a couple weeks now. Yeah. And if you're squeaking in the background, folks, that's my uh, puppy Harper. We're playing a little bit here at the Party Shots Podcast Studio. Uh, Friend of the podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah, she is adorable. She's an internet sensation. So, uh, <laughs> as far as you know, tactic, you know, strategy-wise, uh, what does you all have to do to uh, stop Stony Brook? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're coming off a game where. You know, I mean, Stonerbrook scored 52 points against them. So, I mean, they, they pretty much, you know, I mean, they, they have the formula for what they need to do defensively. It, 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 it really just comes back to offense for Albany. Are they going to be able to score enough points, um, you know, to, to, to you know to make a go of this and, and to see if they can get themselves to the semifinals? Um, you know, defensively, with the exception of, you know, really their, you know, Albany's game against UMass Lowell at the end of February, um, you know, it's a team that's been sound all year. That's not the end where they struggle on at all. It, it, it's all about the offense and, you know, if they can get to, you know, 65, 70, 75 points, uh, you know, in this game. What's your prediction? Uh, so, I mean, at one hand, do you pick the team that's lost five games in a row? Because I don't think that Albany is going to lose six games in a row. That, that's where I am today. Um but, you know, it's one of those games where, you know, if you could tell me how many points is Cam Healy going to score, I can tell you who's going to win the game. Um, you know, if that number is, you know, 10 or lower, it's Stony Brook. If it's 10 or above, I probably would like Albany. Um, at the moment, again, as we're talking here Wednesday morning, I would take Albany simply because I don't think that Will Brown's going to lose six games in a row. Um, but, you know, if you're just looking at it, it's hard to, to, to think that Stony Brook's going to lose to Albany after just the way that Albany's ended this regular season. Yeah, it's almost like maybe Will Brown can motivate this team, say, look, we have, here's where we're at, and you know, people are counting us out. Let's show them what we can do. Yeah, yeah, and, and to, to go back before, because I know I kind of rambled there, I, I'm going to pick Albany in the game. 
-hmm. I realize, though, there's not really a whole lot of reason to do that uh, other than I just don't think that they're going to lose six games in a row. Well, let's see. We'll see what happens Saturday night down at Stony Brook. Mike, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk later. All right, Kenny, thanks for having me. All right, thanks. That's sports editor Mike Kelly. Back coming up, I'll have interviews from Bethlehem and Saratoga from their championship hockey game from Tuesday night. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, this is Will Brown, head coach of the UAlbany men's basketball team. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast. On Tuesday, I had a chance to cover the Section 2 Division 1 Hockey Championship game between Bethlehem and Saratoga Springs. Bethlehem won its third straight championship, beating Saratoga 3-2. to two. I talked to members of the Bethlehem Eagles, starting with the player who scored all three of Bethlehem's goals, Justin Chenail. Hat trick for a championship and hat trick for you in this game. The synergy, can you, can you believe that? No, I mean, this place was loud tonight, and, you know, we fed off that energy, and it was just, I, you know, the team played great tonight. What was it? Take me through the last few minutes. You guys have been here before. You're used to this big game pressure. They get the goals, make it three to two. What was the feeling on the bench? Was there any panic, or were you guys just? Uh, no, we've been here before. We've been in tight games. We knew we had to keep our composure and you know finish it out to the end. I got to ask you the million dollar question. Was it was that a pass or a, were you trying to bank shot uh, that first goal? That was a pass to my teammate Will <laughs> Bevanil. Found a way in. Just, yeah, the, the, the turnover too in that third your third goal there. And you, you, you know, you end up scoring on the rebound there. Looking at that, that ends up being the game-winning goal. So how important was that play there to get, to get uh, that turnover, force the turnover on that Very, play? very important, you know. We emphasize shooting the puck and getting rebounds all, all practice uh, this week. So um, it just worked out well, and we had a good game plan, and we, we uh, took our opportunity as well. But how does it feel, I mean, like, to, you know, not only to win this again, but to be named player of the year? Yeah, it's, I don't know, you know, people call us overrated, but... I think we got the team to do something special this year. Hey, Justin, what does this mean for you? You've been, you got your seniors have been part of this. You've been a big part of this team uh, for three years now. And now how is this kind of culminate your senior year, at least for sectional play? Uh, you know, our, me and my uh, teammates, we say it's never our last game playing together. Yeah. And, you know, we got to keep this train rolling. So, Up next is goalie Michael Kurziolik. Three in a row, what does it feel like? Well, it feels incredible, you know. Freshman year, I didn't, I wasn't playing for the first one, but winning these last two just means a, a lot. It's so huge. What about your captain there with the three goals? Oh, it was. That's just incredible, you know. Honestly, can't expect that from him. That's just the way he plays all seasons. The way he's always played. He's a hell of a hockey player. Say the last four minutes. You, made, you had to make a diving play. Tell us about that save. You know, I just kind of saw the puck go to the other side, and I was like, oh god, I got to stop that one. And I just kind of dove in full desperation, and hit me right in the head. Yeah. But a good kind of pain, right? Yeah. 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 Compare this one to last year. Now, this is your second one in goal. Is it different? Well, this one's a little bit more special for me because, you know, back to back, it always gets better. Every single year, it gets better. You know, you really can't repeat. You really can't repeat the feelings that you win when you win. Do you feel like you got a target on your back all year? Definitely. Everybody's always calling me overrated. You know, you didn't deserve it. Feels great to shut them all up. The lick anywhere. I love it. A hat trick of your championships and a hat trick for your captain. With synergy at its best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's been working hard all season. 
He's been relentless all season player of the year, and it shows why, because he just works hard no matter what. Uh, we were worried a little bit there in the third, but he kept his head up, kept his team focused, and they came out with the win. What are you telling the guys in that last four minutes where they have that empty net and they're, they're desperate, they're fighting for everything? Well, we said we got to fight for every inch. I said, well, we talked about don't throw the puck anymore, get icing, got to skate, got to get that extra inch with your feet, and then we get it deep. And uh, they got that goal, and then we uh, had to regroup and get back focused, ready to finish this game. How dangerous is a desperate team like that when they're willing to do anything? Oh, they, they work hard. Saratoga is spectacular, skating hard all season. Uh, you can never let up against them. Did experience help you when they got a 3-2? Was there any panic on the bench or just go out and play the next shift? Yes. Well, when we got down 3, when we were 3-1 with five minutes left, uh, we started thinking about our ending last season. So they were like, all right, five minutes, got to keep our heads up. Then they scored that one. Uh, it made them have to realize we got to focus again, bringing deja vu from the end of last year. And then uh, they fought all the way to the end. They played to the very end to the whistle. Saw a little excitement before the whistle went off, but, you know, that's going to happen. What has Justin meant to this program? Oh, all of my seniors have been everything to my program. All, I but think just, I got... But Justin in particular, what do you mean? Oh, player of the year and all that, you know. Well, he's a leader. He's a leader. That's what we look for. That's what makes a team successful is having a good leader to get everybody focused and ready to work hard. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I also had a chance to speak with Saratoga head coach Tim Horst. Well, came up just a goal short, being frantic the last you know, five and a half minutes down there with the Goldie Cold. Uh, he had a good chance before the, the second goal there, but uh, just in the end, Bethlehem was a little too much. Yeah, I think we just ran out of time there. Um, I'm so proud of our guys, uh, never gave up. You know, we pulled the goalie early there, and, and our guys just dug in, and uh, they left their hearts. and blood, sweat, and tears out there, so I'm so proud of them. Uh, it's a pleasure to be their coach. It felt like around the two-minute mark in the second period, they started to click that they had to get desperate, and that's when that goal kind of happens. Did you feel that, too, in the sense that a switch flip for them? Yeah, I think we had to kind of get our feet under us. Um, we were scrambling around a little bit, not managing the puck very well, and, uh, you know, give credit to Bethlehem for that. They're a good team, so we had to get you know, pucks in behind their defensemen and get our four check going. And once we did that, I think we had some success. What was, what was the room like in between second and third period after you got that goal? Did you make it one goal game? Yeah, I think we had a good boost, uh, you know, out of the goal. And, and the guys, uh, we saw some energy uh, in the room. You know, one thing about this room, we have a lot of senior leadership uh, that does a good job of keeping us on track uh, when we get off track. And they do it. They lead by example. Um, they're quiet leaders, but they do everything by example. So it's uh, you know it's a pleasure to coach guys like that. Were you guys a little nervous at the start of the game because they had the first six shots on goal? Yeah, you know, like I said, I think we needed to manage the puck a little bit better. Um, we're throwing it around a bit. We're not putting it on the tape like we used to, we usually do. Um, so you know, maybe some jitters, but uh, you know, I think we got over that and we kind of got rolling there uh, towards the end of the second or sorry, towards the end of the first. Sorry. This weekend we talked about the history of the program and how this senior class hasn't reached the Section 2 title game yet. Mm -hmm. Is it important to get guys like Will and guys who coming up are going to be seniors hungry to get back here now? Right. Like I think once you get a taste of this, you just want more. Um, you know, so I think getting the younger guys a taste of it is just going to fuel the fire, uh, you know, over the spring and summer, working out and getting ready for it. And, you know, coming up short is tough. It's a tough lesson, especially for high school kids. But... It also can feel the fire for guys to, to want to get back here. What about Justin Chinale? Uh, just He scores all the goals and, and player of the year. I mean, yep. What can you say about him? Yeah, I mean, not much you can say. He just uh, He's a great player, and there's a reason why he's the player of the year. He buries the chances, and that's what he did tonight. We talked about how Brad had to be, yeah, thank you. We talked about how Brad had to be on his game early. I mean, he's singing his praises every game almost, but 
again, he comes up in the big time moments for this team. How important is that to have that cornerstone back there in a game on this magnitude? Oh yeah, your goalie always, you know, has to be your best player in these types of games, and he was, you know, once again, he held us in there when we were kind of back on our heels, and uh, that's something we've come to expect from him, and, and he delivers. So I'm so proud of him. He's come a long way, and uh, we're certainly going to miss him. Coming up, we're going to talk some New York Rangers hockey with MSG Hockey Studio Analyst Steve Ballacat. You're listening to the Prodding Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, I'm you Albany women's lacrosse coach Katie Rowan Thompson. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots Podcast. On Monday, I had a chance to speak with MSG Hockey Studio Analyst Steve Valaket. We talked about the New York Rangers moves on trading deadline day, which included the signing of Chris Kreider. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. As we get ready, here we go, second day of March as we're taping this, and uh, springtime's in the air, and Stanley Cup Plus is around the corner. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I'm about to go for a walk myself right now. It's gorgeous out here. Um, but, you know, it's tough to tear myself away from the hockey at the same time. I'm excited it's coming up, um, and I hope the Rangers are in it. They look like they're in a pretty good position to make a charge. It's going to be an interesting few weeks until we get there. Yeah, last Monday was the trade deadline, and speculation heading into the trade deadline was that the Rangers were going to uh, trade Chris Kreider, and then, uh, lo and behold, they end up signing him to an extension. Uh, and unfortunately, he gets hurt Friday night, breaks his foot in the uh, game against the Flyers. But how important was it for the Rangers, the fact that they were in the playoff line? How much did that uh, factor into them uh, extending uh, Kreider's contract? Well, I think in large part, Ken, you've got to keep your guys at some point. And there's a culture that you're building with the team. You've got to show the young guys that when they get to a certain age, they're not just going to be expendable. And that this rebuild has really come to an end. They're, they've built it up now to a point where they're ready to charge. Um, it's a good look for the franchise. It's, it's Chris Kreider who's been drafted and developed in your organization. And the loyalty, I think, goes a long way. He's a special player. I don't think anybody's much uh, like him in front of the net, the way that he screens the goaltenders, the way that he creates broken plays and rebounds. He's one of the best net front players in the league. He's been very effective on breakaways this year, getting behind the opposition's D, his speed down the wing. It's it's actually something that you hope that spills off and and into the game of Brennan Lemieux, Gauthier, and hopefully these young guys can learn from him. Um, And then there's also a premium to be paid for what you get off the ice in the mentorship. And he brings everybody to Ben Prentice's gym in Stamford, Connecticut, a very well-known training ground for a lot of the Rangers in the summertime that stay local. It's a good look for everybody, and it's a great fit for the organization. Hopefully, he gets healthy here quickly so he can help the guys get going for the rest of the uh, run, hopeful, into the playoffs. Yeah, just an unfortunate situation means it's just, you know, obviously bad timing. He signs the contract, and then a couple of days later he breaks his foot. I mean, have they? how much will his presence be missed uh, I mean, going forward here, and uh, how soon is he expected back? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a guy you can't just plug and play into the lineup to, to replace him. It's almost like you have to do it in the aggregate. You need two or three guys to jump in and fill that role and, and, and really bring a lot of what he does on the ice that you can see 
it's again, it's irreplaceable off the ice as well. Um, what I wonder about is sometimes during a season when the stress is high and the pressure is high, and, and I thought Chris Kreider handled the contract uh, negotiations up until the point that he had signed it very well. He kept his game on the ice and he kept the off-ice game off the ice. Sometimes I wonder about you know just getting that sum of money, $45 million, and if it doesn't affect your mindset a little bit, look, it's a, it's a human tendency to just take your foot off the gas for a split second and you know he has the flu doesn't play well against the Islanders coming back from illness and then breaks his foot because his toe caps weren't up ice where the shot was coming and I don't you know it's just the human element of it that's what always makes trying to forecast what any team is going to do it makes it very difficult to be predictable because you don't know what everybody's going through. I can't imagine what it feels like to get $45 million and then try and perform that next night. So maybe there's something there, and hopefully he just sorts through it. And oftentimes, I've, I've always said, what the what the uh, mind can't resolve, the body will. And sometimes injuries are a part of just managing everything distraction-wise off the ice. Do you think, I mean, this may be an off-the-wall question, but do you think with the way they handled Kevin Hayes last year, ended up trading him to Winnipeg, now he's in the same division with Philadelphia, do you think that maybe also maybe played a, a bit of a role in uh, keeping uh, Chris Kreider? I think it was two separate stories. I, I didn't think the Rangers ever had any interest in signing Kevin long-term unless the number was going to be a lot lower, significantly lower than what it was with Philadelphia. Um, but... Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that guys like Chris Kreider don't grow on trees. You usually have to draft and develop and then wait for them to get to become the player that they are. And, you know, it's it's just a player you can't find, and it's one that's your own. So there's, I think there's an extra premium you pay for that. And I'm happy they chose to do it because, to me, he was the most important forward outside of Panarin and Zibanejad all season long, and he's been a big part of what's become, again, a cultural thing here where the Rangers believe they can make a run. Um, it's, you, can't, you can't look to try and build for too long because then you end up like Buffalo or Florida, Edmonton, who's still trying to get out of it after 10 years almost. You know, you, you've got to move pretty quickly after you have something, and had the Rangers moved off Kreider, I think it could have set the rebuild back two years. Instead, you know, you keep building towards something here, and you're playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. Now, speaking, of, you mentioned Panarin. He, he's been more than advertised for the Rangers. He's done a great job. Maybe the MVP candidate. If the Rangers get in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, I think there's a case to be had that he he is the MVP of the NHL, and. You know, the same could be had for David Quinn. You know, he could be getting coach of the year consideration if the team gets in because it's that unlikely of a run that the Rangers have been on since January 1st. Look, we're coming off of uh, two losses that we witnessed against Philadelphia home and home, but right back at it again tomorrow night against St. Louis, a huge test. And, you know, provided everybody just keeps their composure, keeps playing the right way, keeps playing above the puck, there's a lot of details in the game right now for the Rangers that have served them well up until this point. They just have to get back at it and not not look too poorly on the last two games. I do like the fact they came back yesterday afternoon in the afternoon game in the third period strong. They didn't lay down, so there's still a lot of fight left in this dog. Yeah. 
Now, the other question uh, with David Quinn, he made the decision, and maybe the manager also made the decision, that when it was time to you know, start using some of the young goaltenders here, and uh, Henrik Lundqvist, now basically a third string. Uh, what did you make of that situation? How has that been handled? Well, there's no easy way to handle three goalies. Uh, as I said, when Shesterkin first got called up, he was the only happy one, right? Because he's coming up from the minor leagues, and he's getting off the bus and onto the plane, and the practices are better, the players around you are better. Um, there was no easy way to handle it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I can see the rationale both ways, where the organization wants to go in a certain way for the future, and at the same time, moving away from Henrik is something that's very difficult to do. He's been a, a legend here. He put this team back on the map. It's 15 years now that he's been a star on and off the ice. And uh, I know Henrik really well, and watching him go through this hasn't been easy for me. At the same time, I understand the organization's uh, position. You've got two studs in net. You could have 15 more years of, of really good success in net. And Shesterkin is 9-1 and one and looks every bit as good as advertised. So yeah, you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and there's no right move. Um, and I can just rationalize it both ways. I see where management, management's position is, and I see how it can hurt Henrik's feelings that he's in this position. And it's never easy. It never ends easy for anybody with an organization if this, if this does, in fact, happen to be the end. Should they have looked at maybe uh, traded uh, Henrik to maybe a Stanley Cup contender to give him a chance at winning a Stanley Cup? I don't think it's known, Ken, whether or not they did or did not, and, and it's not really something that we're going to be privy to until maybe after the fact, uh, whether they tried and there was no takers or whether Henrik did not want to go. Um, you can only look at it from your own vantage point, which would be, for me personally, yeah, I'd love to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, but maybe I can't, maybe Henrik can't see himself wearing another jersey, you know, so uh, it's tough to speculate. Yeah, of course, now it's just working out with the injury, unfortunately, with the car accident with Ian uh, Pavel Buznevich uh, that we're in. Uh, how does, how's, how's Igor uh, holding up right now, and when do they expect him back? Well, I don't know exactly the timeline. I know initially they said two weeks after the injury, which was Sunday, of a week ago, so you're looking at another week at least before he gets reassessed in the skating, and um, it's it's a rib displacement. It's not a you know a clean break. I've only had fractured ribs myself uh, once, and um, it, it was pretty tough to come back from. Um, it's amazing when you look at the goalie's body. Uh, a fraction of an inch can be injured, and you can't play whether it's a tear in your groin or your abdomen or, or a fracture or a displaced rib. But he uh, has, has exceeded my expectations. I thought in the summertime that if Igor Shesterkin came in and he was as good as Georgiev, that would be a stretch because that's how good I thought Georgiev was coming off of last season. And I still feel the same way about Georgiev. Uh, Shesterkin... He's blown my hair back every game he's played. Uh, he's answered every challenge. He's, his first game against Colorado is not an easy opponent, and he's been challenged through every start, really. Some tough assignments on the road recently that we've been able to see him a little bit there, and, and in Winnipeg really jumps out in mind. But, no, I couldn't be happier with him, uh, just his progress, his ability to answer the bell. And, quite frankly, it's tough to take another goalie in the league and compare him 
to what Shesterkin is doing um, in, in style. He, he's very unique, which I think is going to make it very difficult for shooters in the years to come to read off of him and game plan and pre-scout. Well, if the Rangers don't make the playoffs this year, it seems like there's a team on the rise, and I think there are a lot of Ranger fans that should be excited about uh, the progress this team has made under David Quinn and John Davidson as the president uh, back in the organization. So it should be a lot of fun for Rangers fans in the next few years. No, we're, we're spoiled. Uh, we're spoiled because when the letter came out um, three seasons ago now, uh, it, it really kind of made you believe it was going to be a long-term build, and, and now everything's really sped up, and everybody's going to be very excited down the stretch to watch them play, and then obviously looking into next year and beyond, you're not too far away from getting back into contention for a Stanley Cup again. Well, Steve, I appreciate a few minutes, and uh, have fun the rest of the season, and uh, hopefully down the road we'll talk some, some more Ranger hockey. Thank you very much, Ken. Back to wrap up the podcast which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox in just a moment. Hey, NASCAR fans. It's time to rev up the engines and play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Each week during the 36-week racing season, you pick 10 drivers. If you have the week's best point total, you'll receive a $50 Hannaford gift card. If you have the best point total for the season, you'll win a $250 Hannaford gift card. Be part of the fun. Go to dailygazette.com slash autoracing. Get your motor running and play today. Back to wrap up the podcast, Union Hockey beat writer Mike McAdam joins me for the next College Hockey Centric podcast on Friday, March 6th. We will preview Union's ECAC Hockey Tournament first round matchup with Yale. We'll also have interviews with Union players Parker Fu and Vas Colius and head coach Rick Bennett. College Hockey News ECAC Hockey beat writer Josh Segan will also join us to examine all the first round series in the ECAC Hockey Tournament. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions a shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at DailyGazette.com. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank sports editor Mike Kelly, members of the Bethlehem and Saratoga hockey teams, and MSG Steve Valaket for coming on the show. I should mention that Bethlehem plays Suffren in the state hockey tournament regionals at 4.15 p.m. Saturday at Mesa Rink. The Party Shot Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots Podcast are not necessarily those of the Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.